Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes tight, shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. And there's Aunt Petunia knocking on the door, Harry thought his heart sinking, but he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good, good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off of him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over and Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window, a newspaper paper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy he felt as though a large balloon was swelling inside of him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered onto the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. Don't do that! Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid! said Harry loudly. There's an owl! Pay him! Hagrid grunted into the sofa. What? He wants pain for delivering the paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets, bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls on string, pepper humbugs, tea bags, and finally, finally Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Give him five canuts, said Hagrid sleepily. Canuts? The little bronze ones. Harry counted out five little bronze coins, and the owl had held out its leg, so Harry put the money into a small leather pouch tied to it. He then flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up, and stretched. <sighs> Best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Gotta get up to London and buy all your stuff for school. Harry was turning over the wizarding coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something that made him feel as though the happy balloon inside him had got a puncture. Um, Hagrid, Mm, said Hagrid, who was pulling out on his huge boots. I don't have any money. And you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic. Don't worry about that, said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything? But their house was destroyed. They didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. Nah, first stop is Gringotts, Wizard Bank. Have a sausage. They're not bad cold, and I wouldn't and I wouldn't say no to a bit of birthday cake neither. Wizards have banks? Just the one. Gringotts, run by goblins. Harry dropped the bit of sausage he was holding. Goblins? Yeah. So you'd be mad to try and rob it, I'll tell you that. Never miss with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for you. Uh if you want to keep uh, for what you want to keep safe, except uh, maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I gotta get visit Gringotts anyway for Dumbledore. Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually trusts me to do important stuff for him, fetching, fetching you, getting things from Gringotts, cause he knows he can trust me. See, got everything. Come on then. Harry followed Hagrid onto the, out onto the rock. The sky was quite clear not now, and the sea gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the, in the bottom after the storm. How did you get here? Harry asked, looking around for another boat. I flew, said Hagrid. You flew? Yeah, 
but we'll go back on this. Not supposed to use magic now, I gotcha. They settled down in the boat. Harry's still, Harry still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. Seems a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, giving Harry another uh, sideways look. If I were to uh, speed things up a little bit, would you mind not mentioning it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Harry pulled out the pink umbrella again, tapped it on the side of the boat twice, and they sped off toward land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry said. Spells. Enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say a lot of dragons guard in the high security vaults, and then you got your to find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London, see? Deep under the underground. You'd die of hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get out your hands on some. Harry sat and thought about this a while while Hagrid read the newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that pe- people liked to be left alone when they did this, but it was very diff- difficult. He'd never had so many questions in his whole entire life. Ministry and magic, messing things up as usual, Hagrid muddle- mut- muttered, turning the page. There's a ministry of magic? Harry asked before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They wanted Dumbledore for minister, of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts. So old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler, if I'd ever say there was one. So he pelted Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does the Ministry of Magic do? Well, their main job is to keep the muggle is to keep it from the muggles that there's still witches and wizards up and down the country. Well, Hagrid, why? Why? Buy me, Harry. Everyone want to be doing magic solutions to all their problems. Nah, we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat the boat bumped gently into the harbor wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper, and they clambered up the stone steps onto the street. Passersby stared a lot at Hagrid as they walked through this little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame them. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, but he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things like parking meters and saying loudly, See that, Harry? Things these muggles dream up, eh? Hagrid, Harry said, uh, painting, pain, panting a bit, <laughs> panting a bit to, as he ran to keep up. Did you say they were dragons in Gringotts? Well, so they say, said Her- Hagrid. Crikey, I'd like, I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? One to one ever since I was a kid. All right, here we go. They had reached the, they had reached the station. They had reached the station. There was a trained and there was a train to Lugan in London in 5 minutes time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money as he called it, gave the bills to Harry so they could buy their tickets. People stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid took up two seats and sat and sat knitting what looked like a canary yellow circus tent. Still got your letter, Harry? He asked as he counted stitches. Harry looked at the parchment envelope on his pocket. Good, said Hagrid. There's a list of everything you need. Harry unfolded the second piece of paper he hadn't noticed the night before, and it read, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uniform. First-year students will require, one, three sets of plain work robes, black. Two, one plain pointed hat, black, for day wear. Number three, one pair of protective gloves, dragon hide or similar. Number four, one winter cloak, black with silver fastenings. 
Please note that all pupils' clothes should carry name tags. Course books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. 1. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1 by Miranda Goshwalk. 2. A History of Magic by Bathilda Bagshot. 3. Magical Theory by Aldebert Waffling. 4. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration by Emmerich Switch. 5. 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi by Philida Spore. 6. <laughs> Magical Droughts and Potions by Arsenius Jigger. 7. Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. And 8. A, the Dark Force, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Other equipment. 1 wand, 1 cauldron, pewter standard size 2, one set, 1 set glass or crystal files, 1 telescope, and 1 set of brass scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed their own broomsticks. Can we buy all of this in, in London? Harry wondered aloud. If you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before, although Hagrid seemed to know exactly where he was going. He obviously, uh, he was obviously not used to getting there the ordinary way. He got stuck in the ticket barrier on the underground and complained loudly that the seats were too small and the trains were too slow. I don't know how these, I don't know how these muggles manage without magic, he said as they climbed, uh, as they climbed a broken down escalator that led up to a bustling road lined with shops. Hagrid was so huge that he parted the crowd easily, and all Harry had to do was keep close behind him. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger restaurants and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as though it would sell you a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. There really Could there really be piles of wizarding gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spellbooks and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? And if Harry's hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humor, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even through everything Hagrid had told him so far was absolutely unbelievable, Harry couldn't keep but trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub, and if Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was even there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it whatsoever, and their eyes slipped from the big bookshops on one side to the record shop on the other, as if it, they couldn't see the leaky cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that he, only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention any of this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in a corner drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to the old bartender, who was quite bald and looked like a toothless walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped when they walked in. Everybody seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the bartender reached for a glass, saying, The usual Hagrid! "'Can't, Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business,' said Hagrid, clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. buckle. "'Good Lord!' said the bartender, peering at Harry. "'Is this—can this be?' The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. 
bless my soul, whispered the old bartender. Harry Potter, what an honor. He hurried out from behind the bar, rushed toward Harry, and seized his hands, his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realizing it had gone out, and Hagrid was beaming. Then there was this great scraping of chairs, and the next moment, Harry found himself shaking hands with everybody in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter. Potter, I'm just so proud. Always wanted, always did want to shake your hand. I'm all a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter. I just can't tell you. Diggle's the name. Deadliest Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry at Deadless Diggle's top hat, and as Deadless Daedalus Diggle's top hat fell off in excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, cried Daedalus Diggle, looking around at everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Chorus Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you need it, eh, Potter? He laughed nervously. You, you'll be getting your equipment, I suppose. I got, got to pick up the book on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry to himself. It took almost ten minutes to get away from them all. And at last, Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the babble. Must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one last time, and Hagrid led them through the bar and out into a small walled courtyard where there was nothing but a trash can and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. Told you, didn't I? Told you you was famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you. Mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah. Poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine while he was studying out of books, but then he took a year off to... To get some first-hand experience, they say he met vampires in the Black Forest, and there was a nasty bit of trouble with the hag. Never been the same since. Scared of the students, scared of his own subject now. Where's me umbrella? Vampires? Hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting the bricks on the wall above the trash can. Three, three up, two across, he muttered. He muttered. Right, stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point on his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wrinkled. And in the middle, a small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. And a second later, they were facing an archway large enough for even Hagrid. An archway into a cobbled tree that twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome to Diagon Alley. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. And Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw that the archway shrunk back instantly into a solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes. Copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible. Set a sign hanging over them. Yep, you'll be needing one, said Hagrid. But we gotta get your money first. 
Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look everywhere at once. The shops, the things outside of them, the people doing their shopping. Everything. The plump woman outside an apothecary was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, 16 sickles an ounce, they're mad. A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop with a sign saying, Ilops Owl Emporium. Tawny, Screech, Barn, Brown, and Snowy. Several of the boy, several boys about Harry's age had their noses peered against the window with the broomsticks in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes and strings, sil- strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before, windows stacked with barrels of Bat spleens and eel eyes, tottering piles of spell books, quills, a rolls of parchment paper, potion bottles, globes of the moon. Oh my. Gringotts, said Hagrid. They had reached the snowy white building that towered over the other little shops. Standing beside standing beside it, burnished bronze doors wearing a wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold was Yeah, that's a goblin said Hagrid quietly as they walked up to the white stone steps toward him. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He had a sw- he had a swarthy, clever face, a beard, a pointed beard, and Harry noticed very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing second pair of doors, silver this time, with the words in- with words engraved upon them. Enter stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief, you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad to try and rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed at them through the silver doors, and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on a, on high stools behind a long counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins in brass scales, examining precious stones th- through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing up, show, were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free goblin. We come to take some uh, money out of Mr. Harry Potter's safe. Do you have it key sir got it somewhere said hagrid and he started emptying his pockets onto the counter scattering a handful of moldy dog biscuits all over the goblin's book of numbers the goblin wrinkled his nose harry watches the goblin harry watches the goblin on their right weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals got it said hagrid at last holding up a tiny golden key the goblin looked at it closely this seems to be in order and I've also got a letter here from Hag- Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid, importantly, throwing out his chest. It's about you-know-what in Vault 713. The goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Hagrid. We will have someone take you down to both vaults. Grip Hook! Grip Hook was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had... Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back into his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook b- towards one of the doors leading off the hall. What's you-know-what in Vault 713? Harry asked. Can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. More in my job's worth to, t- more in my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held the door open for them. 
Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. There was a narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply down, downward, and there were little railway tracks on the floors. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling up the tracks toward them. It, they climbed in, Hagrid, Hagrid with some difficulty, and they were off. At first, they had hurtled through the maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember, left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its own way because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once, he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of the passage and twisted around to see if it was a dragon, but it was they were too late. They plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake with where huge stalistes and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and floor. I never knew. I never knew, Harry called to Hagrid over the noise in the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalacite? Stalagmite's got an M in it, and don't ask me questions. I I don't know. I think I'm going to be sick. Just, and don't ask me questions just now. I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very, he did look very green. And when the cart stopped, and when the cart stopped at last beside a small door on the, in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees from trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and it, as it, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze canuts. All yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's? It was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, or they'd have it from him much faster than he could even blink. How often had they complained about how much Harry cost them to keep, and all the time there had been a small fortune belonging to him, deep, buried deep under London. Hagrid helped, Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it into his bags. The gold ones are called galleons, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles into a galleon, twenty-nine canuts into a sickle. It's easy enough. Right, that should be enough for a few terms, and we'll take the rest. I'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Griphook. Vault 713 now, please. And can we move slowly? One speed only, said Griphook. And they were going even deeper now and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled down, hurtled around the tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over the side to try to see what was down at the bottom, but Harry gr- Hagger groaned and pulled him back in by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there, said Griphook. How often do you check it to see if anyone's inside, Harry said. About once every ten years, said Griphook with another nasty grin. Something really is... Cr- Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault, Harry was sure. He was leaning forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at first he thought he but at first he thought it was empty. Then at first he thought it was empty. Where was I? 
but at first he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but he knew better than to ask. Come on, back in this infernal cart, and don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't have to know how many galleons there were were to a pound to know that he was holding more money than he'd had in his whole life. More money than even Dudley had ever had. Might as well get you a uniform, said Hagrid, nodding towards Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off uh, for a pick-me-up at the Leaky Cauldron? I hate them Gringotts carts. He did still look a bit sick. So Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malcolm was a, sh- a squat, was a squat, smiling witch dressed in all mauve. Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry peeked, started to speak. Got the lot there. Another young, f- another young man being fitted up just now. In fact, in the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool, while a second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malcolm stood. Madame Malcolm stood Harry on the stool next to him, slipped a long robe over his head, and began to pin it in the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts too. Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying books, and my mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawing voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at the racing brooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll just buy... I'll just bully father into getting me one, and I'll smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, said Harry again, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's crime if I'm not picked to play for my house, and I must say I agree. Know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there. But they, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All of our families have been. Imagine being in a Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave. Don't you? Mm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I'd say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, nodding toward the front window. Haggard was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing to two large ice creams to show that he couldn't come in. That's Haggard, said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Oh, I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? Said the boy. He's a gamekeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he's sort of a savage, lives in a hut on the school grounds, and every now and then gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up setting his bed on fire. I think he's brilliant said Harry coolly. Do you? Said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your 
parents. They're dead, said Harry shortly, and he didn't feel much like going into the, going into the matter with the boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not, sound, not sounding sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They were a witch and wizard, if that's what you mean. I don't really think that they should let the other short in, do you? They're just not the same. They've never been brought up, you know, in our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they get the letter. Imagine. I never... I think they should keep it to the old wizarding families. What's your surname, anyway? But before Harry could answer, Madame Malcolm said, That's, uh, that's you done, my dear. And Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the stool. Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawing boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate his ice cream Hagrid had bought him. Chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing. Harry lied. They, they stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed colors as you wrote. When, he, when they had left the shop, he asked, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Buy me, Harry. I keep forgetting how little you know. Not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told, he told Hagrid about the pale boy in Madame Malkin's. And he said people from muggle families shouldn't even be allowed in. You're not from a muggle family. If he'd known who you were, he's grown up knowing your name of his he's grown up knowing your name if his parents are wizarding folks. You saw what everybody in the leaky cauldron was like when they saw you. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best ever best I ever saw were only ones with magic in them, a long line of muggles. So look at your mom. Look what she had for a sister. So what is Quidditch? It's our sport. Wizarding sport. It's like like soccer in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch. Played up in the air on broomsticks and there's four balls. Sort of, sort of hard to explain uh, the rules. And what are Slytherin and Hufflepuff? Schoolhouses. There's four. Everybody says Hufflepuff are a lot of duffers, but I bet I'm a Hufflepuff said Harry gloomily. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one. Vol- sorry. You know who was at Hogwarts? Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school, they bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Blots where the shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones bound in leather. Books the size of postage stamps and and covers of silk. Books full of peculiar symbols and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from the curses and counter-curses. Bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges. Hair loss, jelly legs, tongue-tying, and much, much more. But Professor Vindictus by Professor Vindictix Viridian. I was I was trying to find out how to curse Dudley. I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but you're not to use magic in the Muggle world except in very circum special circumstances, said Hagrid. And anyways, you couldn't work any of them curses yet. You'll need a lot more study before you get to that level. Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold cauldron either. It says pewter on your list.
but they got a nice set of scales for weighing potion ingredients and a collapsible brass scope telescope then they visited an apothecary which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell a mixture of bad eggs and rotten cabbages barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floor Barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floor, jars of herbs, dried roots, and bright powders lined the walls. Bundles of feathers, strings strings and fangs, and snarled claws hung from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns at 21 galleons each and minuscule glittery black beetle eyes, five canuts a scoop. Outside the apothecary, Harry, Hagrid, checked harry's list again just your wand left oh and uh i got a i got you a bit of birthday present harry felt himself go red you don't have to i know i don't have to tell you what i'll get your animal not not a toad toads went out of fashion years ago you'd be laughed at and i don't like cats they make me sneeze i'll get you an owl all the kids want owls they're dead useful carry your mail and everything 20 minutes later they left i Iolop's Owl Emporium, which had been dark and full of rustling and flickering jewel-bright eyes. Harry now carried a large cage that held a beautiful snowy owl, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering his thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. "'Don't mention it,' said Hagrid gruffly. "'Don't expect you've had a lot of presents from the Dursleys.' "'Just Ollivander's left now. Only place for wands, Ollivander's. Yeah, you've got to get the best wand.' A magic wand. This was what Harry had been really looking forward to. The last shop was narrow and shabby. Peeling gold letters over the, peeling gold letters over the door read Ollivander's, makers of maker of fine wands since, three hundred and eighty two B C. A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in the dusty window. A tinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, except for a single spindly chair that Hagrid had to sit on, had sat on to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he had entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions that had just occurred to him and looked instead on the thousand of narrow boxes piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret magic good afternoon said a soft voice harry jumped hagrid must have jumped too because there was a large a loud crunching noise behind and he got off the spindly chair an old man was standing in front of them his wide pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop uh er hello said harry awkwardly ah yes 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 i thought i'd be seeing you soon mr potter this wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in here herself, buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long. Swishy. Made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished that he, <laughs> he would blink. Those silver eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favored a mahogany wall, wand. Eleven inches. Pliable. A little more pow- powerful and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close that he and Harry were almost nose to nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where Mr. Ollivander touched the the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the wand that did that. 
he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches. Whew. Powerful, wand. Very powerful. And in the wrong hands, Will. If I'd have known what that wand was going to do in the world. He shook his head and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius! Rubius Hagrid! How nice to see you again. Oak, sixteen inches. Rather bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes, said Hagrid. Good one, that one, but I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled, said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Er, yes, yes they did, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. But you don't use them now, do you? Mr. Ollivander said sharply. Oh, no, sir, said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he responded. Hmm said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. Well now, Mr. Potter, let me see. He pulled out a long tape measure and with silver markings out of his pocket. Which is your wand arm? Er, well, I'm I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hold out your arm, that's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and around the head. He met, As he measured, he said, every Ollivander wand has a core of powerful magical substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the heartstrings of dragons. No two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. And of course, you will never get such good results with another wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realized that the tape measure, which was measuring between his nostrils, was doing the work on its own. Mr. Ollivander was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. That will do. Right then, Mr. Potter. Try this one. Beechwood and dragon heartstring, nine inches, nice and flexible, just take it and give it a wave. Harry took the wand and, feeling foolish, waved it around just a little bit, but Mr. Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and phoenix feather, seven inches, quite whippy, try. Harry tried, but he had hardly raised the wand when it, too, was snatched by Mr. Ollivander. No, 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 ebony and unicorn, eight and a half inches, springy, go on, try it. Harry tried and tried, and he had no idea what Mr. Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of tried wands was mounting higher and higher on the spindling chair but more wands but the more wands mr ollivander pulled from the shelves the happier he seemed to become tricky customer eh not to worry we'll find the perfect match here somewhere i oh i wonder now now yes yes why why not an unusual combination hmm holly and phoenix feather Eleven inches, nice and supple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air, and a stream of gold and red sparks shot from the end of the from the end like a firework. It threw dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped, and Mister Ollivander cried, "Well, bravo, bravo! Yes, indeed. Ah, very good. Well, well, well. How curious! How very, very curious!" He put Harry's wand back into its box and wrapped it in brown paper, still muttering, curious, curious. Sorry, said Harry, but what's curious? Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with a pale stare. I remember every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter, every single wand. And it so happens that the phoenix feather whose tail, the phoenix whose tail feather is in your wand gave another feather, but just one other feather. It is very curious indeed that you should be destined for this wand when its brother, why its brother gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, 
Yes, 13 and a half inches. Whew. Curious indeed how those things happen. The wand chooses the wizard, remember. I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, terrible things. But indeed great. Harry shivered. He wasn't sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bowed from the shop. The late afternoon sun, sun, the late afternoon sun hung low in the sky as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down Diagon Alley, back through the wall, back through the leaky cauldron, and now, which was now empty. Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road, and he didn't even notice how much people were gawking at them in the on the underground, laden as they were. And laden as, laden as they were with all of their funny-shaped packages, with their snowy owl sleeping in its cage on Harry's lap. Up another escalator, out into Paddington Station, Harry only realized where they, where they were when Harry Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. "'Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves,' he said. He bought Harry a hamburger, and they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow." "'You all right, Harry? You're very quiet,' said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He had just seen the best birthday of his life, and yet he chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. "'Everyone thinks I'm special. All those people in the leaky cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander, but I don't know about anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous, and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't know what happens to my parents.' I don't know what happened when Vol- I mean, the night my parents died. Hagrid leaned across the table behind the wild beard and brow- eyebrows. He wore a very kind- Hagrid leaned across the table. Behind the wild beard and eyebrows, he wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry. You'll learn fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out, and that's always hard. But you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still too, matter of fact. Hagrid helped Harry on the train that would take him back to the Dursleys, then handed him an envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts, he said. First to September, King's Cross. And all it's all on your ticket. Any problem with the Dursleys, send me a letter with your owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted... Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window, but he blinked and Hagrid had gone. The end, my friend. Um, sorry, that wasn't a great reading. Um, but yeah, that was chapter five.